Hey, what's up with it? It's the Agent A Show. Agent A is all we know. I got CP on the line, my, my stock guy. What's up, Chris? What's up? What's up, Hodge? Happy to be here this morning. How hey, you doing? I'm good, man. Good morning. Thank you for coming, man. Of course. Anytime. So, look, this is what we're going to do, y'all. I'm going to break down the way my money is made and what I do with it. And then we're going to pay some bills and we're going to come back and we're going to talk to CP. So I have I, 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 I have a main hustle and three side hustles, right? My, um, my, my side hustles are obviously podcasting. Um, I, I make music, so I sell albums that's on iTunes um, and every other digital outlet. Um, so, hey, go get that free agent value whatever. It's out right now. <laughs> um, and I also... Damn, I lost train of thought. I podcast, I make music, and I invest. How did I forget that? Fuck. And we talking about investing. <laughs> <laughs> so look, it's early, it's early on a Friday. It's early on a Friday. So look, check this out. I I, I I was thinking one day, what makes me the most money? So of course my main hustle makes me the most money because I spend all my time there. Most majority of my time there. So um my when it comes to my side hustles. I, I checked it out, and surprisingly, my number one was podcasting. I'm like, okay, that's dope. My number two was dividends payments, and then third was was the music. So um, I, I felt like I was in a win win win. Um, I love doing music. I do music for free. I've done music for free before. Just if I wasn't getting paid to do music, I would come in here and I would make music just because it feels good to me. So I'm not losing if I'm making money doing it. How uh, It don't matter how much money I'm making doing it because I just love to do it. Um, podcasting, I love doing podcasting too. A lot goes into podcasting. I have to um, organize a show. I have to do some research on the show. I have to call and schedule things. Um, I have a manager and we meet once a month and talk about the show and how is the, how is the show progressing and all this type of stuff. So it, a lot goes into it. Um, and in dividends, I don't, I didn't do anything but click a button. That was the easiest money made out of all three side hustles. That dividends was the, with, with, that dividend payment was the easiest made because I didn't do anything to get it. So look, we're gonna pay this bill real quick. We're gonna come back and we're gonna talk to CP. It's the Agent A show. Hey, we back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all, y'all, y'all never get that joke. <laughs> but it was a good one. So look, check this out. Chris, could you explain dividends to us? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, a lot of people probably hear the term dividend thrown around, especially uh in the investment world, uh, but may not know exactly what that means. So essentially a dividend is a share of the company's profits that are distributed out to shareholders. And, uh, you know, basically I think of it as a bonus. Um, you're essentially investing in their business. They're going out and making profits. And then above the appreciation of the shares that you own, they're paying you an incremental amount, um, usually quarterly. So, you know, there's uh, companies that pay dividends and kind of, distribute the profit, some of the profits among the shareholders. And then there are companies that um, don't pay dividends and kind of reinvest in themselves to continue to grow. So you, so really those are the two types of uh, stocks that 
you can generally purchase um, out there. And so obviously dividend payers are very attractive for that income potential that they provide above the appreciation of the shares that you own. Okay, so when 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 purchasing stock, should we lean towards the ones that that's offering a dividend versus the ones that don't? Yeah, so see that that's a great question. It's one that 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 honestly gets tossed around, and and I honestly don't think it's asked enough. So when you think about your goals for the money that you've invested, um, one of the things that's great about a dividend paying stock above just the situation you described where you use the money for income uh, to pay for your current uh, bills and things that you have going on or maybe a vacation or whatever you have going on today, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Dividends can really help in terms of being reinvested back into the company or into the shares as well. Okay. So it's kind of based on what your long-term goals are. A lot of people think about dividend stocks for retirement. or for current income. Um, but, you know, I think one of the most underrated things about dividends is that they can be reinvested back in buying more shares. The more shares you own over time, the more, the higher your dividend payment will be. Um, so a lot of people do that. I, I, I'll use a retirement account that you may have, a pension or a 401k. A lot of times that's exactly what's happening in those investments. You're not drawing any money. You're getting paid dividends. Those dividends are being reinvested, and it compounds your money. That's why you see such a dramatic growth uh, in a 401k over time because you're not drawing. You're just reinvesting. And then when you do get to the end, you have amassed a particular amount, a certain amount of shares that pays you a pretty healthy dividend that helps support your lifestyle in retirement without drawing your principal. So that's one scenario. Obviously, your scenario is another one where you're using it for current income. And it really just, again, it just depends on your particular investment goals, I'd say. But there's a lot of value in growth stocks. That's what we call stocks, like so a large cap growth stock that just reinvests the dividend into the company. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, something I think of, and I, I don't think they pay a dividend, but something like Amazon, for example. You know, I don't, I don't believe they pay a dividend and... You know, if you look at the growth trajectory of that stock over time and just what they've been able to do in terms of acquisitions and markets they've been able to enter, that's an example of a company that's not paying a dividend, but you're getting huge price appreciation over time with them. Okay. So there's essentially you want to have a combination, right? And it's really, you know, that combination, that mix, I think, changes over time uh, based on just where you are in your life and, you know, what other income opportunities you have. So obviously when you're working uh, full time, you may have some real estate, you may have a stock portfolio, you may have, like you have a a podcast, you may have a side venture in music. When you have multiple streams of income, um, I think it'd be okay in that scenario to have something that's um, compounding a little more uh, on the the higher side and then over time move towards an income uh, from those dividends as being a, a larger and larger source of your income as time goes forward because you're amassing shares over time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely multiple options for it, but I'd say that's probably one of the most common places you're going to see it is people letting it appreciate, be reinvested, and then appreciate over time in their retirement portfolio. And then when they retire, using that income, those dividends pay to support their lifestyle. Okay. 
So it, we, I find it, I find a stock. I like it. I think, I think it's attractive. I want, I want to invest in it. it. It offers a dividend. What should I be? What should I look for in 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 this dividend? Like, what 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 is it that's going to attract me as a dividend? Yeah. So that that's another thing I wanted to highlight. I, I meant to say earlier is when you're looking at, uh, you don't have to only look at companies that pay dividends. And if you do, I, I wouldn't get stuck there because you have to really look at the company overall. Um, I'll give you a great example right now. I know someone that had many, many, I mean, thousands of shares of PG&E stock. Mm-hmm. Well, PG&E's dividend was amazing for decades. And now they stopped paying that dividend. And the share price has gone from $68, I think, as a high last year down to I saw $3 and some change a couple of weeks ago, and now they're in the 6 or $7 range um, with no dividend anymore. So you have to really look at and bet out the company the same way you would any other um, investment and make sure you're in tune with um, you know their profitability, what markets they're in, any risk associated with that business that can affect that dividend. In this case, it was PG&E's um, infrastructure, not up to snuff, can't, can't weather any weather that happens here, they're shutting down grids, they're starting fires, they've blown a pipeline. So because of that, they're in bankruptcy after paying an awesome dividend for years. So not only did you lose your dividend in that case, but you've also had a huge decline in the stock price as well. Yeah. Um, and generally, dividend-paying stocks are held for a pretty much permanently. I mean, that's something that's passed down generation, generationally. Um, so in his case, that PG&E stock was passed down year over year or, or, you know, generationally to their, to the next kid, to the kids. So the grandkids are born, they'll get the, get the stock. Um, because you don't generally sell those because they're going to continue to pay you income and people appreciate that they've amassed the share level that they get a nice dividend from. So this particular person was able to pay their property taxes every year with those dividends. So that's the amount of money they were getting. Um, but now they don't have that anymore and they're kind of just going to have to ride the wave of where this goes next. Um, hopefully they pay a dividend again um, and hopefully the price appreciates and they kind of get their um, business in order so that they don't run into this scenario uh, in the future. But that's definitely something to consider is just the health of the company, what business they're in, the risk associated with that business. And um, if this dividend is something that's going to be able to be sustained over a long period of time, because that's really the expectation when you invest in a dividend-paying stock. Stable long-term growth, um, or not growth, but stable long-term dividend payments and a stable company, like share price doesn't have... When you get a dividend, that means the share price usually doesn't appreciate as fast. So with that, you want more stability, so it's a less volatile price on that stock, and then you're going to get a sustained payment of dividends over time. So you really just got to look at some of the larger, um, more stable, um, established businesses uh, in the large cap space that pay dividends. That's where I would look. So look, man, I'm a, you said something, it, it, it just it, it, it hit home with me, and this is why I call you and we do this on this podcast. It's to, it's to educate people who might not be educated in this situation. So um, I was talking to a young man the other day. He works at Starbucks. And I asked him, do you, yeah. do, you, do you have stock in Starbucks? And he said, yes. I said, the stock that the company gave you or your own stock? He said, the stock that the company gives me. And I said, well, why not invest some of your own money? I said, yeah. not just Starbucks, maybe something else. 
He right. says, I asked him, I only think, um, the, 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 what I'm using right now is Robinhood. I'm like, it's a good way to start. I'm like, why? You should check it out. And he was like, yeah. He said, um, you know, I just, I just, I need to make more money. Mm. And I'm like, okay. Um, I'm like, do you have 401k? He says, no. He, he's, mm. he was 20. I asked him how old he was. He said he was 25. Okay. Um, and I, 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 I explained to him, like, you'll, you'll always, you'll always feel like you don't have enough money. When you're not saving money, right? That's a that's a hell of a yes. That's that's so true. And I feel like I feel like the information is here for us. We just don't know where to go get it. Right. Yeah. That's a lot of things out there. That that's very very key. And and you know the thing that really, especially in today's day and age, that's what I always tell people. I mean, we live in the information age. At some point, it just becomes our responsibility to go out and be knowledge seekers and seek this information out, um, whether it's through a conversation with somebody you may believe has a little bit of knowledge in the space that can point you some point you towards uh, some areas where you can learn more, or whether it's just on your own, just getting out there and doing searches in Google and, and just coming to your own conclusions based on what you're able to find and understand about it. But it's all available there. And, you know, the reality is in investing – Nobody is an expert. Nobody's hitting it 100%. Everyone is, uh, you know, everyone's learning constantly because it adjusts as the environment changes. So, you know, you could have rising interest rates, falling interest rates. Um, you could have slow growth, high growth. I mean, you're going to be through all these different economic cycles that dictate how stocks are going to perform. So it's just more about being astute in it and understanding it enough to know what to look for and what makes the most sense to you to move forward with an investment. But, you know, that is one of the things you run up against because I used to think the same way. It's, oh, I don't have enough money to invest or have enough money to put into a 401k. Um, and the reality is, had, had I been doing those things uh, consistently from a young age since I've been working, I mean, I would, would without question, have millions of dollars in a 401k. Um, just purely from compounding, even at lower wages that I made in my early 20s. I mean, you would, it, it'd be over time, it's just investing over time, that's your friend. The more time you have, it's not about how much money you're saving. It's the fact that you're saving it and that money is compounding over time. That's what gets you to a space where you have money. Uh, have a, have a, have a massive, pretty good nest egg over time. And bigger than me, I'm doing this for my kids. This education yeah. that I'm going to I'm going to share with my kids. These are stocks that I'm going to hand down to my kids so they can live off these dividend payments. Yeah, so that's what I was alluding to earlier is that there's a lot of scenarios like that where there's no intention to ever sell these these company stocks, right? It's just clearly once they amass a certain amount of shares, it's just to collect that dividend payment. And then while your kids are young, and let's you know after you move on, they're still young. Or maybe they're not, depending on how old you are, uh, the people listening. Um, then it gets the opportunity to compound further while it's not being drawn on. And then when you pass down to them and it starts to, uh, maybe they use it and start to take uh, dividend payments again, they are uh, higher because they have more shares and more shares have been appreciating over time and more shares are paying dividends. So, you know, that's just something that helps. When you hear that term generational wealth, this is one of the ways that that's happening. You know, people are investing in stocks, bonds, dividend-paying bonds, interest-paying uh, 
collecting interest payments and they don't sell these vehicles. They hold them for long, long periods of time, usually their life, their lifetime and continue to clip that payment, uh, for the duration of the time that they hold it. So, you know, it's almost like you could even think about it like this, like a, your house in most cases, especially in this state is a, like a growth stock, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. It's something you buy and hold. It appreciates over time. When you sell it, hopefully you sell it for a lot more than you bought it for. If you don't sell it, it should continue to appreciate or you just kind of stabilize at a certain level. Um, a dividend, uh, uh, a dividend paying stock is what I think people really think of when they think about investing in the stock market because it gives you income. So it's almost like if you bought a house and then you rented it out, yeah. right? You don't, when you buy a rental property, you're not really looking at it for its ability to appreciate yeah. in value. You're looking at it for the income that it can pay you. Yeah. And then that income over time, you're hoping that it either remains stable or there's a way that you can increase that as time goes on. But you're never looking to sell that asset. You're trying to hold on to that and let it continue to pay you and work for you over time. So that's really one way to relate it to kind of things that maybe people understand um, and hear about more often is rental property versus property that you live in and you're buying and holding um, that you could sell, whereas rental property, you may not ever want to sell that. Hey, man. We appreciate you, Chris, man. Next time we're going to tap in, we're going to have more questions and we're going to talk more about it. Um, so, look, this is what I need y'all to do. If y'all got some questions about what Chris was talking about today, um, hit me at H-A-J-I-A-G-E-N-T, the number eight. That's Instagram and that's Twitter. It's the Agent A Show. Agent A is all we know. You hear me? <laughs>